Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. All right, let's look at the Word of God this morning. I want to talk to you from a passage out of Psalm 100, verse 4. It's a familiar passage for our church and for many people inside the body of Christ. And I want you to know, it is almost never the new stuff that you're going to learn that's going to bless you the most. It's getting good at the old stuff. The Bible says return to the old ways for they are best. The Bible says that there's really nothing new under the sun. So I want you to be good at the old stuff. Say old. And that ought to help people that are getting old like I've been doing old stuff for a long time. Well, we ought to be getting good at it by now. In Psalm 100 verse 4, the Bible says enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Giving Thanks Makes God Happy. Pray with me. God, thank you for teaching us in your word. Thank you, God, for giving us the Bible to tell us what to do and how to do it, for revealing yourself to us through your written word. God, I pray now that you'd be glorified in everything that's said in this place, Lord. We pray for our children, church workers across this property, our nursery workers, God, that across this entire place today that your name would be exalted and that you'd be honored in everything we say and do. And I ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Giving thanks makes God happy. All across America today, pastors will be preaching traditional Thanksgiving messages. Many times when it comes time for something traditional like that, I'll move in an opposite direction. But today, I do want to talk to you from a very traditional Thanksgiving type of message because I believe it's important that the church get Thanksgiving right. I hear churches arguing about Christmas and what the Christian responsibility is for celebrating Christmas, which is steeped and rooted in paganism. I hear some churches, I don't know too many Christians arguing about it, but I hear churches arguing about how Christians should celebrate Thanksgiving, if or not Thanksgiving, but what's that other one? I don't like Halloween that some do and some don't. We hear about Easter celebration. A lot of different holidays get argued about in the church because the background comes from paganism. But I think if there's one holiday that Christians ought to be able to get right, it's Thanksgiving. The very word Thanksgiving itself sounds Bible because it's in the Bible a whole lot. I I, I love so many different songs. One song that just stays in my mind and in my spirit is a song that says, Bow down and worship him. And one part of the song says, Enter in. Oh, enter in. And we need to learn how to enter in to God's presence. See, there's a way to get inside everywhere you want to get inside. Now, if you come to my house, I'll just use my house for an example. If you want to get into my house, you you got two ways of getting in my house. 
breaking in and getting shot and laying in the floor dead or calling me and letting me know you're coming over. Because if you ring the doorbell at my house, I'm in the back of the house. I am in the back of the house in the man cave. And you can ring the doorbell obnoxiously until your hand hurts and I'm not getting up. And if my kid's like, Dad, you don't hear the doorbell? I hear the doorbell. Well, that doorbell don't signal me to get up. I don't know who that is. Home invader. Unwelcome salesperson. Some kid walking by selling candy. I, I got all the candy I need. If I run out, there's a grocery store in my neighborhood. So if you want to get in, if you want to get into my house, there is a protocol. There's a protocol to get in anywhere. You just got to figure out what that protocol is. If you want to get into college, there's a protocol. Some places are tougher to get into than others. And if you want to get into God's presence, there is a protocol. There's a biblical way to enter in to where God is. And in our text, Psalm 100 verse 4, the Bible says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. I talked to you about this passage recently and I told you that there, there's two main observations by theologians on this passage that slightly vary. Some theologians believe that this is only talking about the picture of the Old Testament tabernacle and how God was seated in the Holy of Holies. And it had gates around it and it had outer courts and inner courts and there was a process of moving through the gates and into the courts and into the holiest place. Other theologians believe it's just simply letting you know that there's an approach that has to be followed that God sets rules and protocol for how you can approach him. But whatever it is that you believe God is trying to tell you, there's no doubting that to get through the gate, you have to be thankful. To get to where God is, you have to be thankful. And I want you to know there's not a lot of thankfulness in this, in this world. If you spend any amount of time on social media, you should be tempted to deactivate all your social media. Just sheerly based on the raw level of hate and negativism that people put out there. If you watch the news at all ever, you should at some point be tempted to say, I'm done with the news. I can't watch this anymore. Just based on the negativism and the hate that is being pushed across. I see more complaining in life then I see people being thankful. And as Christians, we need to do what God says. Can you say amen? amen? And the Bible says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So if the way to get even close, because getting through the gate is just getting you close. That's not getting you an audience. That's getting you into your approach. But if the way to get close to God is by giving him thanksgiving, complaining people have no chance. Just go and say, no chance. Now you know what you got. No chance if you're not thankful. If you don't have a thankful heart, and listen, don't fake it. I mean, a lot of people come to church and fake it, and that's why churches, uh, I'm not a big fan of churches. 
I'm a big fan of people who love the Lord gathering together to celebrate. I'm not a big fan of churchy kind of stuff, fake bunch of people coming together, saying cliches and acting different ways. That, that's why I don't put on a preacher voice. That's why I don't act different in the pulpit. That's why I express my, my struggles and, and my own issues with you guys because I think we ought to keep life real. People come to church and act like life's better than it really is and say all these cliches. I, I'm, I'm waiting. I hope I live long enough to where depressed people quit automatically answering how you doing with, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Because if you are depressed and I ask you how you're doing and you say, oh, pastor, I'm blessed and highly favored. God is good. Everything you've said is true. You are blessed and you are highly favored because the Bible declares you are. But if you don't really recognize that and you're not feeling that down to your feet, and I ask you an honest question like, how you doing? You ought to just say, man, I'm busted, disgusted, can't be trusted. I'm barely holding on. If it wasn't for God, I'd have probably just shot everybody on the drive-in. Am I right, Brother David? I mean, let's just be honest about what's going on in life. Church people want to act like it's all good when it's not. Now, I'm not saying walk around and tell everybody how bad life stinks. I mean, sometimes you got to get an attitude adjustment. Sometimes you, you need to redirect your thinking. But we need to be honest. And if we'd be honest, I think that we'd be able to admit we need to be more thankful. We need to be more thankful for what we have. Number one, it will help you mentally, it will help your emotional well-being to be more thankful. But if you value your Christianity at all, you can't be close to God without thanksgiving. It goes on to say, enter into his courts with praise. So you have to have praise as well. And then it finishes the verse by saying, be thankful to him and bless his name. Be thankful to him, comma. Always pause on punctuation. Be thankful to him. See, a lot of people are thankful to them, but God said be thankful to him. It's okay to be thankful to them, but you, not, you have to be thankful to him. If you get a raise from your boss, you're probably thankful to them. But you need to be thankful always to God because here's the reality. If you have a job, it's not because you worked hard, you applied yourself, and you became a self-made man. A lot of people have that mindset, and, and maybe they did work hard, and maybe they did apply themselves. But if they're a man at all, it's because God made them a man. If they have any work ethic at all, it's because God allowed them to. If they have breath in their lungs, it's because God allowed oxygen to be on the planet. It, it really tickles me, people who don't believe in a literal God, because here's the reality. What in the world is regenerating all this oxygen as everybody keeps breathing up and talking out all this hot air? Oh, it's just taking care of itself. Well, you know, pastor, scientifically, from an intellectual standpoint, it's the trees. You know that. It's, it, it, it's the plant life that brings us. Well, what, what keeps making the plant life work? God is governing. What keeps the planets from crashing into each other? What keeps the stars from falling to the sky? If the earth was a couple of inches closer to the sun, we'd all burn to death. If it was a couple of inches further away, we'd all freeze to death. And anybody that believes that God is not overseeing and superintending over all this is short-sighted. It takes more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian. 
Because common sense will tell you that somebody taking care of all this stuff makes more sense than, oh, it just randomly all works together by itself. Just a big explosion happened. I tell you what, if I took that watch off, Brother brother David gave me that watch off his wrist, I put it in a bag and blew it up. And then I said, here you have it back. I bet it works perfectly fine, all in decent, good running order. Stuff that just blows up doesn't work fine, perfectly good and decent running order. Stuff that's crafted and formed and held together by an intelligent being we call God works fine and crafted together, and we need to be thankful to him. Say him. I hope you wake up with a thanks in your mouth. I love getting around senior adults. I value senior adults. When we started this church 15 years ago, we had no senior adults. I can remember a time when my mom was the only senior adult in the building. We started praying, God, send us some older people. The Bible says with age comes wisdom. With age comes experience. You want to learn something, get around somebody older than you that loves the Lord. See, people, older people that don't love the Lord can just be crotchety. That's a good word right there. And they surely can't be it. But get around some older people that love the Lord and let them tell you about life and they realize just a just the fact that I woke my eyes my I opened my eyes this morning and I was able to put both feet on the ground and stand up is something to be thankful for can anybody say amen thanksgiving should be an automatic response for the believer if you believe that it's God that gives you life and you wake up and realize you're alive you ought to thank God That's why I say you ought to start every day thanking God for the day and end every day thanking God for the day. And you will be on your path to giving God what makes him happy. Now, all over this country Thursday, people will be celebrating Thanksgiving. Some people will be doing it throughout the week. We're doing it tonight. We're going to have a a celebration Thanksgiving meal tonight. But on Thursday, people will be breaking out food, family will be coming over, they'll be celebrating this holiday we call Thanksgiving, and some will do it with no thought of God at all. For some people, it will be more about the football and the food than it will be about the God who gave them life. Now, I'm not mad at food. You can look at me and tell I love to eat. I'm not mad at food at all, and I'm not mad at football, and I'll be watching football on Thursday. But I hope that for you, sometime this week, And especially on Thursday, there'll be a time where you'll bow your head and give thanks to the creator of life. I want to read to you. I don't do this a lot, but I want to read to you uh, just from my notes out of Wikipedia, which, by the way, is not a real text. It's just a, a place of information. Anybody can type something in there. If you go get a higher education, you'll find out you can't quote Wikipedia as a source in, in a real college because it's, it's not but it, it's a quick reference, and listen to what it says about Thanksgiving. It's a harvest festival, traditionally a time to give thanks for the harvest and express gratitude in general. This what, listen to what it says. This cracks me up. While perhaps religious in origin. If you study anything about the history of this holiday, you will realize it is religious in origin, but you, you got to understand that the world is trying to take away everything from God they can take away. While perhaps religious in origin, Thanksgiving is now primarily identified as a secular holiday. How about that? 
primarily identify Thanksgiving. Giving thanks to who? Giving thanks to what? Well, to each other, or to Mother Nature, or to the rocks and the trees. Listen, as Christians, we ought to believe that there is someone to give thanks to. Let me just read. The pilgrims set ground at Plymouth Rock on December 11, 1620. Their first winter was devastating. At the beginning of the following fall, they had lost 46 of the original 102 who sailed on the Mayflower. 102 people came over on the Mayflower, 46 of them died in the first year. Goes on to say the harvest of 1621 was a bountiful one, and the remaining colonists decided to celebrate with a feast, including 91 Indians who helped the pilgrims survive their first year. I have read more in the last five years revisionist history than I've ever read in my life. There is a conspiracy in America to rewrite every history book. There is a conspiracy in America to rewrite every facet of all history based on the fact that some history was written, written wrong to begin with. Okay, now let me, let me say this. I do believe some history was written wrong because certain people wanted to write it the way they wanted to write it. But to rewrite everything because you didn't like some things is not a good premise to how to find truth. There is no doubt in my mind. See, I don't really know, and it's funny because I've been saying this since I started preaching over 30 years ago, that I don't really know if George Washington was the first president of the United States. If you ask people, do you believe George Washington was the first president of the United States, most people would say yes. And I would say, well, how do you know that? And they would say, because I read it in a book. And that same person would say, well, you can't believe there's really a God because the only way you believe that is because you read it in a book. But you believe Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States. Why? Because you were there and you saw it with your own. When God comes to me and sits down in front of me, I'll believe him. Well, Abraham Lincoln never came to you and sat down in front of you for you to believe him. Well, that's silly, Pastor. People saw Abraham Lincoln. There's books written about him. People saw Jesus. It's the most documented human being on the planet. But I've been telling people for years, I, I, I believe George Washington was the first president of the United States, but I don't believe that as much as I believe Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead. That's a different level of belief. And it's funny because I found out just this past year, somebody finally did some lookup, somebody finally did some research, because the, the Constitution, this country all got kicked off. Anybody remember what year? 17? 1776. So you would think that the first president of the United States would take office in, in what year? 1789. I didn't learn that till this year. Do you realize George Washington didn't even take office until 1789? Well, what happened? From, well, who was the president in 1776? Other people. They just weren't called the president of the United States. So let me tell you something. You, you tell me, well, I, you shouldn't believe everything you read in the Bible. Listen, I trust the Bible more than I trust your history book. And the only thing you know about anything is because you read it in a book. So don't let people tell you, you just can't believe what you read in the Bible because they believe in George Washington. They believe, they believe he chopped down a cherry tree. Why? Because they read it in a book. They believe Abraham Lincoln because they, they weren't there but I know some history has been rewritten and falsely understood. But that doesn't mean just rewrite all history for what makes your slant. I can't wait for another 15 years because Hispanics are taking over. Taking over. Listen. Listen. Hispanics 
if you add them all together, depending on how the demographic survey is written, are now the largest minority group in America. Just jumped over black folk. Just leapfrogged. Now, I don't believe that's accurate. I don't believe that's accurate at all because go ahead and find somebody from Puerto Rico and tell them they are Mexican. Like, we're not Mexican. Find somebody from Mexico and tell them they're Cuban. No. Find somebody from Cuba and tell them they're Dominican. And they will not agree with that. Now, if you put all of them together, then, then, then all the, the, the Hispanic all together are the largest minority group in America. So what, what can we guess will be happening in about 15 years? Well, I, I expect if I live another 15 years, I'm going to read some website somewhere where they say it was Hispanics that sat down at the first Thanksgiving and they had uh, red beans and rice and, and burritos and the, 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 the white people were serving uh, ch- uh, chili uh, frijitos negros and I mean, I, and it's just, you know, the books are going to continue to be. Listen, just because some people wrote history wrong doesn't mean everybody gets a chance to rewrite it how they want to hear it. This holiday is emphatically based on a thankful heart of people for surviving a bad winter and sitting down with some Indians. Now, who was there? I don't know, but some people were there, and that's how this holiday got kick-started. But listen to what happened in 1939. President Franklin D. Roosevelt declared Thanksgiving would be the next to last Thursday of November rather than the last. Almost 200 years, they've been celebrating, almost 300 years, from 1600, almost 300 years, they've been celebrating the last Thursday of November. FDR comes along and says, we're about to make some changes, y'all, because, you know, presidents like to make changes. And he said it would be the next to the last Thursday, not the last. Why? Because the country was still in the midst of the Great Depression, and Roosevelt thought this would give merchants a longer period to sell goods before Christmas. So the most God-oriented holiday, Thanksgiving, a word that's biblical, gets a commercialized twist on it. FDR says we need an extra week of selling stuff. So instead of the last Thursday, let's make it the next to the last Thursday because it goes on to say that he hoped it would bring the country out of the Great Depression. At the time, it was considered inappropriate to advertise goods for Christmas until after Thanksgiving. If you're over 35, you grew up in a country where you didn't see Christmas lights out until the turkey was done. If you're over 35, you grew up in a country where they weren't having Christmas sales the first week of November. You weren't getting flooded with your junk mail on Christmas bargain shopping because it was inappropriate to advertise for Christmas before giving thanks to God. So FDR said, let's hurry this Thanksgiving thing along because we need to get to the commercialization of Christmas, but Roosevelt's declaration was not mandatory. 23 states went along with his recommendation, but 22 did not. Why? Because you can't get folk to agree on anything. People are always going to be divided. It could be the best idea in the world, and somebody's going to say, I don't like it. Why not? Just something about it. Doesn't sit right with me. I just, I just not feeling it. Because you're crotchety. You're mean. You're hateful. 
You want everything your way, and that's just how people are. So, you know, 23 states said cool, 22 said no. Other states like Texas, because Texas always got to be on an island by themselves. I've lived in Texas. Let me tell you something. You meet somebody from Texas, they tell you everything's bigger in Texas. They're not lying. I was stationed in the Army in Texas. They, you seen these squirrels we have in Florida? Little tiny thing, you, you know, you kick them and that's it. They got squirrels in Texas that will attack you. I'm talking about squirrels bigger than dogs. I'm talking about Labrador Retriever squirrels. Big old yellow brain. Sit up and stare at you. Make you walk around them on a sidewalk. You walk down a sidewalk in Jacksonville, squirrel, get out of your way. In, in Texas, <laughs> Texas is its own thing. Everybody's so, so talking about Cal, Cal exit. California now decided because, you know, they, they want to promote the LGBTQ uh, agenda so hard, and they're worried that Trump's not going to let the whole world be gay, that they're saying California needs to just secede from the union so we can be gay all day. Well, that's not, that's not the only thing. Texas has been talking about doing this forever because Texas is like, hey, we don't need the rest of y'all. We'd like to pull out. And first time my kids heard that on the news, they're like, Dad, you think Texas will ever take, come out from America? And I said, listen, eventually all these states are going to want to try this, but the federal government, after building highways and roads and financing colleges, universities, and school buildings and building police stations and fire stations for all these states across the country with federal dollars, is not now about to let one of these states pull out and say, we're not going to send you our federal taxes no more. So don't get all weirded out thinking California is about to not be part of the United States or Texas isn't. But Texas always likes to do stuff different, and they couldn't decide. Do we want to go with FDR? Do we want to be part of this crew over here? Or do we want to be part of this crew over there? And because everything's bigger in Texas, guess what? They took both Thursdays off as a federal holiday, and they said that's how we do it in Texas. Because everything's bigger in Texas. But Roosevelt persisted. In 1940, to celebrate what was then termed Franksgiving, because he was having his own Thursday, Thanksgiving, the week before everybody else was having it. So in 1941, Congress split the difference and made Thanksgiving the hardest holiday to figure out when it's going to be. Because it is not the last Thursday in November, and it's not what Frank wanted. The next to last Thursday, it's the fourth Thursday which some months it's the last Thursday of the month, and some months it's the next to last Thursday of the month. But that ought to let you know that America don't always know what it's doing. But in 1941, the bill was signed into law that year, and President Roosevelt signed it into law, and now it is the fourth Thursday, which thankfully this, this month, it's the last Thursday of the month. So many holidays that we celebrate as Christians have been polluted by the world. Many holidays that we celebrate as Christians truly are about making dollars and a way for the profiteers to profit. But I want you to make up in your mind what many of us have had to decide as for me and my house. See, we can't worry about what the new administration is going to do we got to determine what me and my house is going to do. Because administrations roll over. 
I, I, I've been listening to this my whole adult life. I can remember when Reagan was in office, people didn't like Reagan. A lot of people liked Reagan. People were mad when Reagan had, couldn't keep running forever, and other people were glad to see him go. People liked Bush. People liked Clinton. People liked the other Bush. People didn't. People liked Obama. People didn't. People going to like Trump. People aren't going to like Trump. Listen, life keeps going. D.C.'s going to do what D.C.'s going to do. But JEA is still going to want your money. Right? The water company still going to want your money. McDonald's and Burger King still going to want your money. I love deep faith people. I, I, don't, I don't make fun of them all the time, but I do love them. You know, they're, hey, ha, hey, hey, oh, hey, just talking to you about the football. Be normal for one second, please. I'm just asking, did you see the eh, eh, game? Because I guarantee you this, that don't impress the cashier at Winn-Dixie. Because when that cashier says that's $117.49, you can hallelujah all you want to, but you better find some currency. You better find a card or something that they can get their money off of. People get worried about what, and listen, don't get so deep in politics that you forget to thank God for today. People getting so fired up and so wound up. Some people are so happy and some people are so mad. Listen, you need to make it up in your mind as for you and your house, you're going to serve the Lord, whether it's President Obama or President whoever. I've been counseling people for a long time. I've been talking to people for a long time in ministry. And probably the comment that I've heard in my life more than anything else, I have people come to me and say, Pastor, I just want to know what God's will for my life is. I'm searching for God's will. People say that like God's hidden it somewhere, like it's under a bush and they got to go find it. God has not hidden his will. God has revealed his will to us in his word. Now, I don't know what college God wants you to go to. I don't know if God wants you to get married or who he wants you to marry. I don't know what you should have for lunch today. I know what you should have for dinner today because we're preparing it next door. But I don't know everything about what God wants to do in your life, but I do know what the Word says. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, listen to the Scripture. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's look at the verse. In everything, give thanks, colon. You have to pause on the punctuation so you can digest what's being said. In everything, give thanks. Your candidate won. Presidential office. Give thanks. Your candidate lost presidential office. Give thanks. You got a raise. Give thanks. You got fired. Give thanks. The brain does not work like that. We want what we want, and we want it now. It's so funny, these protesters walking around. What do we want? Justice. When do we want it? Now. What you going to get? Shot by the cops if you keep throwing rocks at them. Have we not learned anything? Have we not learned anything? Now, listen, I didn't come to get political on you, but if you want to be worried, people talking about, I'm worried and I'm fearful about what the next administration is going to bring. Under whose administration did Trayvon get shot? It don't matter whose administration you're under. You start throwing rocks at the police, you're going to be in trouble. And crazy people are going to be out there no matter who's in Washington, D.C. Okay? We've got to make up in our mind that it's not about what other people are doing. 
Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. There's going to be somebody in office I don't agree with. Listen, the Bible says, in everything give thanks. Can you do it? No, I can't. I still, I still to this day hear people say, President Obama is not my president. I've been telling them for seven years, you just make yourself sound stupid. Because he is. There are people who said Bush wasn't their president, Clinton wasn't their president. Listen, whoever they say is the president, that's just the president. That's like you saying, I don't believe water is wet. Not to me, because I don't accept it. Well, let me throw something in your face and tell me how you feel about it. I bet you find it to be wet at that point. But whether you like it or whether you lump it, the Bible says in everything you have to give thanks. If you don't hear anything I'm saying today, hear ye the word of the Lord. God said in everything. Say everything. This is things we like and things we don't like. See, this is why you need more than natural to be who God wants you to be. You need a supernatural relationship with a holy God just to obey this Bible. Because that's stuff I don't want to be thankful for. I've had people I care about die. I didn't want to be thankful for that. And I still don't understand how you'd be thankful over tragedy or how you'd be thankful over not getting your way. Because we come into this life selfish and wanting our way. If you don't believe me, take a turn in the nursery. See, I believe racism has to be taught. Because kids love, kids love everybody who's being nice to them. Kids don't differentiate. And they don't differentiate who they're selfish against either because they're selfish against everybody. Racism has to be taught. Selfishness, that's born into you. Mine, 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 mine. Sound like them birds off Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. That, you hear mine in a nursery more than any other place in the world. Why? Because we are born selfish. But to give thanks for everything takes some power from God on the inside of you. Listen, if you can't give thanks for stuff you don't like, you need to ask, do you really have a relationship with God? Because God will empower you to do what he commands you to do. And he commands us to give thanks in everything. He goes on to say, for this is the will of God. Not might be, not could be, but this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for everybody else except you. That's not what it says. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I tell you today, the will of God for you is that you be thankful for everything. Good days, bad days, happy days, sad days, up, down, in between, thin, flush, wherever you find yourself, the Bible says in everything, give thanks. So I can tell you for sure today, it's God's will for us to be thankful. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. Don't have to. God said give thanks for everything. Well, Pastor, you don't know how hard it is right now. Don't have to. I know what God said. And what God said is more important than what we think or what we feel. And that's what we need to decide as Christians. We need to move past our emotions. We need to get over our hurt feelings. We need to get over the things that bother us, not getting our way. And say, so, you know what? I am going to give thanks in it. Listen, you can't do nothing else about it. You can be mad about it or you can be glad about it. But it's going to be what it's going to be. Seth was asking me last night what my opinion on some stuff was. He was asking me about fate and destiny and all this other stuff. We're riding through a parking lot, and there was a truck 
one one that put words across her windshield. No, I don't get that. If that's you, that's you. It's fine. But it came in handy as a teaching point. I said, you want to know what I believe, son? I believe what it says on the, on the front windshield of that truck. And here's what it says. It is what it is. Do you at least know that much? It is what it is. What's the weather going to be like tomorrow? Well, it's going to be what it's going to be. What do you think about this weather this morning? It is what it is. Ain't it wonderful that it's cold? No, I live in Florida for a reason. Don't don't you want snow on Christmas? You didn't hear me the first time. I live in Florida for a reason. I don't want snow ever. Wouldn't you like to see a white Christmas? It just don't feel like Christmas if it's hot outside. If you grew up in Florida, it feels just like Christmas if it's hot outside. And here's the thing. Same road that brought you here, take you right on back. If you miss that snow and shoveling out every day, hey, listen, there's some cheap property available in Detroit right now. They are selling houses, full houses. I was there a couple years ago. I couldn't believe it. 3,000 square foot houses in Buffalo for $1,000 and foregoing the tax liens on all of them right now. You can go buy a house, a full house in Buffalo, New York. Your back door look out on Niagara Falls. You give them $1,000, you get to move in. But then you got to start paying property tax on that house in Buffalo, and you got to live in Buffalo. So there's a downside to everything. But you got to learn how to say good or bad, hot or cold. It is what it is. I can't control the weather. I can't control who gets elected into any office. I, I almost, almost fell off the couch laughing the other day. They finally arrested. I told y'all, I believe the, the right to peaceful protest is, is an American right. People need to protest. You, you disagree with something, you, you have a civic, civic obligation to let your dissent be known, that's fine. You start throwing rocks and burning stuff, you need to get arrested. They finally arrested a, a group of people the other day. They, they background checked them. They found out over 75% of the people protesting didn't even vote in this election. What you protesting? You're mad at who won and you didn't vote? Colin Kaepernick? Colin Kaepernick's proud to let people know he didn't vote, but he still ain't going to stand up for America, and he didn't vote. Let me keep moving, because y'all don't want me to get political in here this morning. You know what? When it comes to Colin Kaepernick not standing up for the national anthem, we need to give thanks for that. I give thanks that my children are smarter than Colin Kaepernick. There's a way to give thanks for anything. You just got to get your mind right. My question to you is, are you thankful this morning? I mean, really. Are you? Would the people that know you say you're thankful? Or would they say that you're not? I think the reason so many people are not thankful is because they spend too much time being mad. Being upset over what they don't have. Well, it's not fair, Pastor. My brother so-and-so and and my cousin such-and-such and and those people up the road this and that. Just mad, just just upset over things that they don't have, so much so that they can't be thankful for what they do have. I tell you all the time because I want you to get it down in your spirit. The hymn writer said, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. It's easy to count the discouragements, but God commands us to be thankful, and you're not going to be able to follow God counting your discouragements. You've got to learn how to be thankful. Psalm 118.29 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, 
for his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, comma. That's a command. That's not, an, that's not a suggestion. That's a command. Give thanks to the Lord. This is what God is commanding us to do, and he tells us why. For he is good. Not because I got my way. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Not because I like the weather. Not because things are going good for me, but because God is good. Everybody doesn't really believe that. Everybody in this room doesn't believe that. And it's told by the way you live your life, whether you truly believe that God is good. God tell, commands us to give him thanks. We need to really believe that he's good. This is another reason some people struggle with thanksgiving. They don't realize God's been good to them. They feel like God has shortchanged them. I talk to people all the time that are mad at God. And I've had people just tell me, Pastor, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm mad at God. Well, you think now that you said it out of your mouth, God knows it now? God's been knowing you're mad at him since you've been mad at him. I'm just going to say it out of my mouth. I'm mad at God. People are mad because they feel like they have not gotten what they deserve in life. See, if you were raised in the right kind of home, you, you were just thankful not, not, not for getting beat every day. I swore when I had kids, I was going to spank them every day, whether I called them or not, because I knew they were getting away with something. But if you have, if you are in your right mind, you ought to understand that life's been better to you than you've been to it. These people walking around mad at God, feeling somehow life shortchanged them. I was supposed to be further along than I am. Life was supposed to turn out different for me. All the messing up you did in life, you're supposed to be dead in hell or in jail by now. You're still free, unincarcerated, and mostly in your right mind. You ought to be the most thankful person on two feet. Mad at God, feeling like you've been shortchanged. I want to tell you something. God has been better to us than we've been to him. And he is a good God, and he is merciful, and we should be thankful for that. I can say, surely for my own life, God has been good to me. He's given me so much. If I stop to think about it, it makes me realize I need to do more to show my appreciation. Not as a way to earn brownie points for God, but just out of a heart of love. When you realize how good somebody has been to you, you want to be good back to them. When you realize somebody's gone out of their way for you, you want to be good back to them. If somebody did the smallest favor for you, you would show appreciation to that. Listen, God sent his son Jesus to die on a cruel cross for you so you didn't have to die and go to hell forever. Somebody ought to be thankful for that this morning. People think that God shortchanged them. Listen, God has done way better for us than what we really should ask. So when I think about wanting to give back to God, it brings me to the question, what do you give somebody who has everything? I've had people tell me, Pastor, you're hard to shop for because I don't want anything. And I, people ask me, what do you want for your birthday? Nothing. What are you doing for your birthday? Nothing. What do you want for Christmas? Nothing. What are you doing for Christmas? Nothing. You're putting up a tree? No. You're giving your kids presents? No. Why? Because they don't want nothing for Christmas either. <laughs> I'm just not a, I'm just not a, a want guy. I, I, it really, I, I want, here's what, here's what I want. Same thing I believe God wants. I want for my kids to get along and keep the drama off me. Amen? Amen. Drama free. I just want drama free obedience in my household. Everything else can flow from there. But when you think about giving something to God, and I see God truly has everything. What do you give somebody who has everything? 
Well, I've told you for years how to figure out what to give somebody. You give them what they want, not what you want. This is where people mess up. People mess up because they want. I had somebody in the church tell me uh, this year, they said, I want to give my dad a birthday party, but he said he didn't want one. But, but I, really, I really feel like, you know, he's, he's letting the rest of us down because we want to give him a party. I said, do you hear what you're saying? He doesn't want a party. You want to give him a party. It's his birthday. Should he get what he wants or should you get what you? Oh, I hear you. You give someone what they want. Well, God has told us what he wants. In Hebrews 13, 15, the scripture says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, this hymn is talking about Jesus contextually, if you read the previous verses in Hebrews 13. So it's through Jesus that we offer to God the sacrifice of praise continually. Now, that's a wordy passage. It's, it's, we got to constantly be giving God the sacrifice of praise. Well, that doesn't really explain itself in the first half of that verse, but fortunately for us, it goes on to explain it in the last half of the verse. It says, that is. There's a definition coming, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. What we're commanded to do, what we're commanded to offer to God, to give to God, what our sacrifice to God should be is continual praise. Well, how do we do that? By our lips giving thanks to his name. Here's my question to you. When's the last time you said thank you to God and meant it? When's the last time you said thank See, we need a thank you Jesus spirit. We need a thank you Jesus mindset. You need to have thank you Jesus on your mouth all the time. You don't get hit by that car? First thing in your mind ought to be thank you Jesus. That cop drives by you and don't pull you over? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you, we need, to re we need to get this thank you, Jesus, on our lips. Say lips. This is how you give God what he wants. We give God praise by giving him thanks. And I want you to start giving God more thanks. Psalm 107, 21 says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Do you believe God's done anything good for you? If you had to sit down right now and talk about something good God has done for you, could you list something? I am so thankful. We were watching something on TV the other night with my kids, and they were uh, showing all these different children in a, a St. Jude's Children's Hospital, and it was heartbreaking. And these kids had all different manners of problems and difficulties, and they were smiling and being happy. And I just looked over at my kids and I said, I thank God that y'all are not at St. Jude Children's Hospital. I thank God that y'all are healthy. I thank God that y'all are mostly in y'all's right mind. I thank God. What, are you thanking God for anything? I've heard people say, and some people won't say it out of their mouth, but their whole aura exudes it. I work for everything I have. I thank me. Well, whose planet did you work on? Whose air did you breathe while you were working? We need to understand it's only by God's grace that we have anything. Psalm 107, 22 says, Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Whether you read in the Old Testament, whether you read in the New Testament, the way to honor God is by being thankful. Negative, complaining, mad all the time, critical, hating everything is not how you give honor. To God. If you love God, you want to give God something. Because real love is giving. 
God gave his love to us on the cross. What are we giving God back? God says to give him thanks. Psalm 116, 17 says, I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. Some people give in the offering. That's awesome. Some people give time. In old church, we used to talk about three things you need to give to God. Your tithe, your time, and your talent. Some people give their talents to God. Some people come up to the after-school program during the week and they work with kids. Some people volunteer to keep the nursery. Some people do other types of ministry. Some people give their money. Some people give their time. Some people give their talent. When's the last time you, God, gave real thanks? See, here's what we do. I went through a period in my life. It was brief. It, it might have lasted about a month. I just quit praying over food. You say, oh, how dare you? The Bible commands us to, to, and everything we eat, to give God thanks for it. I was hanging out with a bunch of Christians, and, and they were playing some stupid game. Um, if they, everybody sit at the table, and they'd all put their thumbs up. Anybody ever seen that dumb game? You know what that meant? Last person to put, that put their thumbs up, guess what he had to do? Pray over the food. I'm like, oh, so it's a, it's a bad thing now? Yeah, I, I lost y'all's game, so I have to pray over the food? Like I'm being punished by talking to the God that I love? What concept is that? It, and people are like, who's going to pray? Somebody pray over the food. Like, it's, it's, you know, it's a burden now for people to have to pray over the food. Listen, most praying over food ain't even really being thankful to God. You may as well be saying rub-a-dub-dub, God bless the grub. Oh, 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 over to, well, oh, over, over to something and something. What is it? Over the lips and past the gums. Look out, belly, here it comes. You may as well be saying something silly like that. If you really aren't taking that time to truly say thank you, God, for allowing me to have this food to put in my mouth. Thank you, God, for providing for me. See, I don't believe in long prayers. People always look at me when I pray, and they're like, and I've had people tell me, I expected more. <laughs> Dear God, thank you for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I, I thought you was going to pray. I did. I thank God for the food, and I meant that. They were looking for some, you know, churchy kind of thing. When you say, we call it, say grace. If you somebody say, somebody say grace. You know, I should look at them and say, grace. <laughs> somebody says, well, somebody bless the food. Bless. <laughs> no, somebody tell God, thank you for this food. We need to feel what we say when we talk to God. And we need to be thankful for all that God has given us. I want to give you what I believe to be the big difference between thankful and unthankful living. And you need to hear this this morning. Because if we could divide, there's a lot of ways we're divided in life. But if we were to divide this group of people in here today between the thankful and the unthankful, I think I could tell you one of the big reasons why some people are on the thankful side and other people are on the unthankful side. Psalm 103 verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and listen, forget not all his benefits. I think the number one reason some Christians are positive while others are negative is some people choose to remember God's benefits while others choose to forget. Let me tell you today, don't forget 
his benefits. Don't forget his benefits. Well, Pastor, you don't know how my life's going. I don't feel like I got too many benefits right now. You got hair on your head? I tell you what, I'm thankful for what's holding on. I, I, I look at it in the shower every day, and I'm like, there it's going. I'll be just like Deacon West for long. It's fading. It's going. See, but then when you go bald, you just get you one of them T-shirts that says, God only made a few perfect heads on the rest. He put hair. And then you're just like, ain't I smooth? You know, keep it shined up. Be thankful for what you Don't forget God's benefits. You got two legs at work? Maybe you don't. What if you got one? What if, what if you got prosthetics? We got people in the room with prosthetics. What, what if you don't have two legs at work? What if you have a hand that works? Do you have a brain that works? Do you have a mouth that works? Do you have anything that you can be thankful for? See, Thanksgiving is a choice. And some people just refuse to make it because they don't believe that God has benefited them any. But there are benefits to Christianity. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. A wage is what you get paid for what you do. And the payment for our sin is death. That word death in the Greek is talking about an eternal separation from God. The scripture goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you believe in eternal life, you have to believe it's a gift. And you ought to be thankful for all of God's benefits. Salvation is a gift. See, the big payoff in Christianity is eternal life. But in many ways, if you live as long as I have, I got saved in 1981, July 15, 1981. I thought Jesus was going to come back any day. All right, well, he saved me. It must be over. He reached down this deep into the gutter to get me. He must be finished with this world. 81 turned into 82. I thought, well, he's a little t late, but he's coming. 82 turned into 83 to 84 to 2016. And I keep waiting on him to come back. So what I've realized over this 36, 35-year period is that that eternal life is down the road. That's, that could be way off in the distance somewhere. That can almost sound like pie in the sky and a sweet by and by when we need help in the nasty now and now. And I want you to know that the only benefit to Christianity is not just salvation in the future. There are benefits for now. And you need to figure out what you're thankful for, not just that God's going to get you to heaven one day, but what can you be thankful for in life. There's a song that says, I need your mercy. And I need your grace. And I want you to know every day I spend time thinking about God's mercy and thinking about God's grace. See, mercy is when he doesn't give you what you got coming to you. We understand this when we go to court. We beg the judge for mercy. We know we're guilty. We know he can slap it on us. But we beg for mercy so we don't get what we have coming to us. Grace is when you get more than what's coming to you. And I want God's mercy because I don't want him to punish me for everything I deserve to be punished for. And I want God's grace because I want him to give to me freely every good thing that he has for me. And I want you to realize that God has given you benefits. I think about new Christians. New Christians are so excited to be saved. If you ever got saved, you can remember a time in your life where you were first saved and you were pumped up. And you were thrilled, but then life happened. And you got around church people and it watered you down. And you, since then I've heard so many people say, Pastor, I just wish I could be as excited as I was when I first got saved. The reason you were excited then is because you were thankful. You were thankful because you knew God did something for you. And you need to see every day as a day that God is doing something for you. You need to see every day as 
benefits. You need to see every day as what God has done for you. Because when you start adding up all the good things you have in life, you'll stop concentrating on the bad. And you'll be thankful for what you have. Second reason I think some people are thankful and some people aren't, some people never will be able to find true thanksgiving, is because we got to be content with what we have. Be content with what you have. I don't believe in rewarding people for nothing. We've raised a generation of sissies by giving trophies to everybody. Listen, a participant trophy is good for nothing. A participant plaque is, I like one commercial. I don't even know who's running it now. But this dad out there with his son, they gave him some kind of participant trophy. He scratched that word participant out and wrote winner on it. Trophies are for winners. We've raised a generation of sissies by rewarding people for everything, and they think that they should all get something given to them with no effort. Got a whole generation of people talking about, well, we want free college, free college for everybody. Well, you better pay back everybody who struggled to pay student loans their whole life if you're going to start giving away college to sissies now. Tell the government I said so. And let me tell you something, if they, listen, all you millennials, all you young people, you want free college? If they made college free, college wouldn't be nothing better than grade 13. That's all it'd be. It'd be watered down, government controlled, the education would be weak, the professors would be paid nothing, and a college degree would mean nothing. When you got to struggle for something, when you got to sweat for something, when you got to pay for something, when you got to put into something, when you got to work for something, that's when you can realize how success is rewarded. But we got people sitting around not content with what they have. I'm telling you what, kids today, they want to be able to drive as big as mama and daddy driving already right now. You're 18 years old. Well, I want such and such. Why can't I have it? You got money for it? You better, you better get on your feet. People are like, how am I going to get there? Walk. Anybody remember people used to walk, walk to work, walk to school, walk to a bus stop? How am I supposed to walk to the bus stop? It's raining. I'm going to show you how. Left foot, right foot. Left foot, right foot. And you would get it, but it's cold outside. Left foot, right foot. We got people that want everything handed to them. This entitlement generation doesn't know how to be content with anything. Listen, people who work hard for a living understand the price of having something. And if you understand what you have, you ought to be thankful for it and realize it's enough. What you have is enough. And the reality is what you don't have is probably because God don't trust you with it. Get yourself in a position where God could trust you with more because he said if you be faithful over what you have, he'll give you more. If you ain't getting more, there might be a faithful problem. But the Bible says we got to be content with the things we have. Listen to what the scripture says in 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. See, a lot of people can't truly be thankful because they don't remember any benefits that God has given them. Other people can't be thankful because they're not content with what they have. The scripture says godliness with contentment is great gain. There are people that come to church every time the doors are open, but they're not content. There are people that come to church every time we do anything, but honestly, they're not thankful and they're not content. They try to be godly. They try to read their Bible and say their prayers, but they're mad. They're angry. 
They're bitter. They feel shortchanged. Listen, you're not going to have great gain that way. you got to be godly if you want to be who God wants you to be. But if you really want to get somewhere in this Christian life, you got to have godliness with contentment. Are you content? What if you never got any more than what you got right now? Would it be enough? I already told y'all, poor people in our country would be rich in most places of the world. See, in America, people worry about what their next car is going to be. In many countries around the world, people are worrying about where their next meal is going to come from. <laughs> worrying about what cable package you need to get. Wondering what, where you're going to watch the, the next pay-per-view event. Me and my kids walked up. We're going out to eat because we go out to eat every night. It's expensive, but it's better than my cooking. So we go around the corner to Gators at Oak Leaf. Parking lot jam full. I'm like, well, we normally don't stop at jam full places because, you know, we eat out everywhere. So we just, you know, go somewhere else. But I was feeling wings that night. So I'm like, well, let's just go look and see. Walked in, place slammed up full. Not a chair in the joint. Why? Because they were showing a pay-per-view UFC event. And, and, and a lady told me, we don't have any chairs available. And nobody's getting up for the next three hours. I'm like, they're going to be eating for three hours? No, we're showing a pay-per-view event. Listen, we got so many concerns in this life, but very few people are really concerned about where their next meal is going to come from. Very few people you know are truly concerned about do they have a roof over their head. See, when you start talking about stuff like that, if you got a roof over your head, if you got food in your belly, if, if, you, if you got a pillow to lay your head down at night, you ought to be thankful. And you ought to realize, I have all I need. We get caught up into wants. We need to realize what we have, and we need to be content with what we have. I want us to spend time in our life every day telling God, thank you, offering him the sacrifice of praise, remembering his benefits. In case you can't think anything you're thankful for, real quick, in the last five minutes, I'm going to give you some of the things I'm thankful for. Number one, I'm thankful for salvation. I'm thankful that God saved me when he didn't have to. Do you believe God had to save you? Or do you believe he saved you by his grace? I've heard people say the smartest thing I ever did was to give my heart to the Lord. Let me tell you something. Your intellect had nothing to do with your salvation. If you're saved at all, it's because God reached down and saved you when you were running the other way. He chased you down with his love and his grace, and he said, no, you're mine, and I'm not going to let you go. And he's holding on to us. I'm thankful for salvation. I remember where I was. On July 15, 1981, when I knelt down beside my bed and I asked God to forgive me my sins and come into my heart and save me and change me and make me a real Christian. He didn't have to do that. And see, I'd prayed that prayer before and it didn't work. Because the Bible says that you'll only find God when you search for him with your whole heart. I'd walked aisles, shook preachers' hands, been baptized in churches. None of that ever made a change in my life. But when I got desperate and when I really called out to God and when he saved me for real, he made a change in my life. He made a change in my life so much, my mom started asking people at the church, what have y'all done to brainwash my son? What have y'all put in his head that's making him want to go to church seven days a week, stay locked up reading his Bible all the time? This is not the boy I know. I know God saved me for real. If you're saved at all, you need to be thankful for that. I tell my kids, you, we, you could have been born in Pakistan to Muslim parents who would have taught you Allah is the way. God lets you be born in America 
to a Christian parent who taught you Jesus is the way. And you ought to be thankful for salvation. We did not earn salvation. The Bible says salvation cannot be earned. It's a free gift. And I'm thankful for salvation. Not only that, I'm thankful for this church. There's churches all over the world. There's bigger churches. There's smaller churches. There's better churches. There's worse churches. But I'm thankful for this church. I remember where we started. I'm glad Cindy's in the room. Cindy was at our church the first day we started. Been here the whole time and seen a lot of ground that we traveled. Different locations, different staff members, different transitions, different changes. I'm thankful for this church because God could have said, we'll just let this church shut down. There have been times in the history of this church where we wasn't walking on a thin line, we wasn't shaving the budget, razor tight. There are times in this church, staff crossed the board, took a 30% cut in pay. There were times in this church where I went over three months without being able to draw a paycheck because there was no money, but we just kept going, and God kept us going, and God kept us moving, and God kept us around, and God allowed us to get to this neighborhood so we could do what we're doing in this neighborhood and feed all these people around the world. I'm thankful for this church. I know where we started. I remember where we started on a patch of dirt and some shabby buildings with no air conditioning and 16 adults and, and a bunch of loud kids. And, I, and I've seen God save thousands of people over the last 15 years. And I've seen people come and I've seen people go. But I know God has a plan for this church. And I'm thankful for what God is doing at Abundant Life. <laughs> See, the church in the bricks and the steeple, the church is the people. And I'm thankful for the people. I'm thankful for the people in this church. So you can be mad at the people in this church if you want to be. Well, they didn't come see me when I was sick. Did you ask somebody to come see you when you were sick? Well, they didn't send me flowers when my auntie died. Do we know auntie? Did you ask us to send me? Well, I shouldn't have to let people. I was out for three months. Nobody came to visit me. Listen, the Bible says you want to have friends, make yourself friendly. You want to get to know people more? Where were you, men? Yesterday when we were here, 8 o'clock in the morning, eating breakfast together, fellowship and getting to know each other, building bonds. Where you at, ladies, on Tuesday night when women meet for Bible study? You, 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 want, you, want to, you really want to get a part of this culture, of the community, of this faith church? Then you need to get involved and let us get to know you. I agree. Some of the shabbiest people in the world go to church. I hear it all the time. People say they won't go to church because of the hypocrites. Y'all know what I tell them. You go to the grocery store, there's hypocrites there. <laughs> you go to your house, there's hypocrites in your house. Quit saying you don't go to church because of the hypocrites. There's hypocrites everywhere. That ain't stopping you. I can tell you this, there's hypocrites in this room. But there's also good people in this room. See, the Bible says everyone's a hypocrite. At some level, everyone says something and does another. Everyone wears a mask at some point. But I can tell you this. The best people that I know, I met in this church. The people closest to me, I'm thankful for the people in this church. A couple more things and I'll be done. I'm thankful for this book. I am thankful for the Bible. We live in a country where we're allowed to hold a Bible. We live in a country where we're allowed to have our own Bible. We live in a country where we're allowed to read this Bible anywhere. We want to read this Bible. And I'm thankful that God put his words down in a collection of books that we call the Bible. I have gotten so much comfort 
from this book. There have been nights that I've slept with my Bible, cried tears on my Bible, held my Bible, kissed my Bible as I went to sleep, thanking God for the words that are in this book that he speaks to me through. I wonder if you're thankful for your Bible at all. We had a Bible in my house growing up. Big old white Catholic Bible sat on a coffee table, never got touched. Unless I was tearing pages out of it or drawing on it in crayons when I shouldn't have been. But I'm thankful for my Bible. If you don't have a Bible because you can't afford one, you need to see me. We'll get you a Bible because you need to have your Bible. You need to have your own Bible that you can open and read with your eyes and hear what the word of the Lord is. There's other things I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that God is not just a God of a second chance, but he's a God of another chance. Because I have messed up a lot in my life. I have blown more opportunities than most people will ever get. But every time, God has been faithful. Every time, God has been gracious. Every time, God has been merciful. And the Bible says that he never gets weary. I can remember I'd read that verse a, a, a lot of times. One time I read it, and it just, a light went off in my head. He never gets tired, so he must not be tired of me. Because there have been times in my life where I've thought, God must be tired of me failing. God must be tired of me saying I'm going to do better. God must be tired of me trying and failing and trying and failing and confessing and repenting and confessing and repenting. But when I read that he never gets tired, I understood that, and I want you to understand today, God is not tired of you. He loves you, and his mercy is everlasting, and his grace endures to all generations. And you ought to be thankful for the God of another chance. I'm thankful that he's slow to anger and ready to forgive. I've worked for some taskmasters in my life. I've worked for some people who were just unpleasable. That's not the kind of God we serve. We serve a loving and a gracious and a forgiving and a merciful God. Here's what he said. Every time you ask him to forgive you, he'll do it. He said, if you confess your sins, he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's why I say every person in the room is only one prayer away from being totally right with God. If you, no matter where you are in life, would just ask God to forgive you of your sins, he promised that he would do it. But it takes a humility to ask God to forgive you. It takes a humility to say, I know I've done things wrong in my life. I've had people tell, well, I ask people, uh, have you prayed and asked God to forgive you of your sins? I never killed anybody. I'd ask you, did you kill anybody? I said, if you ask God to forgive you of your sins, did you ever steal anything? Oh, I didn't steal anything. You never took anything? You never took a pen from work? Never took a legal pad? Nope. You, 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 never, you, you never thought an evil thought? You never got mad at somebody? The Bible says if you thought bad things about somebody, you killed them in your mind. The Bible says everybody has sinned just because you feel like you're not. Listen, people who feel like they're not a sinner, they're the biggest sinner of all because they are proud. And the Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I'm thankful for his mercy. I pray a lot of Bible to God. I read the Bible to God, and I thank him for what he says, and I claim his promises. One thing I never read to God and ask for myself is what David said. 
It's a passage in the Bible where David said, reward me according to my deeds. I never prayed that. I've never felt like my deeds were so good that that's what I wanted. I asked God to reward me according to his grace and his mercy. To give me freely forgiveness. Acceptance. Don't forget God's benefits, church. Last one I'll give you. He says that if you believe in him, you are accepted into his family. You realize sometimes your own biological family turn their back on you, cast you out, talk bad about you, look down on you. The God of all creation said you are accepted in my family. If you will love him, he will love you back. And that's the best benefit I can tell you about today. He loves you, and he wants you to love him. If you're willing to do that, God wants to open up a whole new world to you. God wants to open up a world bigger to you. See, some people think they're so smart they know about everything that there is to know. If you could for one moment today consider that you might not know everything, and there might be more to life than you know, then you could open up your mind to the possibility that there is a God and that he loves you and he has a real plan for your life. I believe that. And I'm thankful for the God of this book who tells me that he loves me and he accepts me into his family. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy, God. I thank you for this country, a country that allows us to gather together in your name and to sing songs to you and to read from your book. Father, I pray that you would help us as believers to be more thankful. God, I pray that you would help us to remember all your benefits. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not be mad about what we don't have, but to be thankful for what we do have. Lord, help us to be content with the things that you've given us. Help us to realize that if we have you, we have more than enough. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for life. Thank you for salvation and healing and deliverance. Lord, I pray for each person in the room today. God, there are some that don't believe in you. Lord, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to them in a real way. And let them love you the way you love them, God. There's some people that are hurting, that are going through difficulty now. God, I pray that you would show yourself to be their help in time of trouble. Lord, I pray that you would help us cling to you more. Help us be thankful more. Help us to love you more. So that we can go and let the world know that you're the real God. And your son is Jesus Christ. And he is alive. We thank you, God, for this revelation. And we thank you for this knowledge. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.